on maynard.com.au. AU! Ladies and gentlemen, the phone is ringing, the heavenly choir is singing. We have Mr Tim Ferguson, part of the Doug Anthony All-Stars, of course, during those hectic years of 1986 through to 1994. After 1994, fuck knows what happened to him, but he went away for a while and now he's back. Hello, Tim Ferguson. Oh, my God, Maynard. What's happening, pal? I work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, running around the world. But Paul and Richard, of course, have just retired upon their uh, their endorsement. Now, people were obviously, they were crying out. There were crowds in the streets. There was rocks being thrown through windows to get Dust Capital out on DVD. What, what took you this long? Well, as you know, Maynard, there were huge uh, legal problems. who had a, a real problem with the show when it was first aired in Japan. And then, of course, Germany jumped in because of a little song called Mexican Hitler. I want to be a Mexican Hitler. Viva la Fura. It's been tied up in a giant legal battle. The show had two seasons. That's that's pretty amazing. And also, I was thinking back, like at the time, the flagship show of the ABC was the big gig, and now it's Q and A. Really, I mean, you can't compare the two shows at all. Yeah, if you consider the stuff we used to get away with on the big gig, even the other night, someone said, you know, I saw Paul and a horse doing things that Paul and horses shouldn't do. I said, well, how, how, did you, how did you get that? And it was on the ABC from the big gig. Because you're the first one of the three that I'm interviewing, you get to set the tone for the other two interviews. But I have been in contact secretly through ABC back channels with Mr. Feidler, and he has a question for you about Das Kapital. Well, what, what is it? What does it mean? Well, well it's a question I'll without... tell you what it means. It's a question without notice. He wants... Yes, Ferguson's come out fighting. Nobody what, knows what the series was about. What Fyder would like to know is that how come that he and Paul sustained serious injuries during the filming of Das Kapital and you got away absolutely bruise-free? And of course, injuring Paul and Richard wasn't how it was supposed to go down. They're not supposed to still be alive. Paul and uh, Richard were actually the more physical comedians where you'd like stand there and you'd do a bit of pomposity usually. I couldn't be doing physical stuff. I'd just stand there and add a bit of good looks and occasionally gravitas. Whereas, of course, Richard would add his deep radio voice and Paul would complain about Richard's deep radio voice. In Das Kapital, you basically, you locked yourselves away from the world with the format. You basically were stuck in a Titanic situation, stuck inside a submarine or a spaceship, which completely disrupted any chance of regular sitcom behaviour, didn't it? Yeah, it meant that there were, you know, obviously no kids. Uh, We didn't have parents who'd run across the road every day. We didn't have anything that Everybody Loves Raymond had. John Lloyd, who is uh, a guy who made a lot of British sitcoms, said a sitcom is getting people who hate each other and locking them in a room. So we just did it in a submarine instead. I recommend if you are fans of the show, and even if you're not, have a listen to the commentary track. I spent this morning watching an episode or two of the commentary track on. 
nobody in script meetings would ever say, um, should we do that? Yeah. Wait I, a ne- second, I never heard anything from Ted no. Robinson down the at the head of the table saying, I don't know if that's appropriate. It was just... Silence from the head of the table. <laughs> it was just, you know, go for it. If you think you can get away with it, go for it. Paul Livingston summed up the experience of watching Das Kapital fairly well in the uh, in the commentary to the second series. He said, you know very early in the first episode whether you're going to watch the rest of this series or not. <laughs> That's true. It is a distinctive show. The, the one thing Das Kapital did was get people talking. Whether they loved it, they hated it, there were people who turned it into their own religion. It wasn't a show that you could watch and then say meh to which was the Tug Anthony All-Stars principle. Highly offensive and confronting, just a bizarre show. In your eyes, I'd say the highest crime anyone could commit is that of blandness. Oh, yes, or whimsy. Whimsy drives me nuts. That's where it looks like comedy, but in fact it's just proof that uh, someone couldn't write jokes. That's also why you're not a fan of feminist poetry, is it? No, and feminist poetry needs to be aired more often. I've written tons of feminist poetry, but will the ABC put it to air? No, they're frightened of its power. Well, I think you've been criminally ignored because of your penis. That's the first context in which that's happened, Maynard. Of all the strange scenes that you got up to in Das Kapital, and I was just having a quick look through the, the two series there, to me the oddest scene you would have had to do, three heads trapped in a cage surrounded by meat. That To me, that would be one of the strangest scenes you would have had to do, but is there one that sticks in your mind as being a weird one? That's the episode where Psycho Bob plays the role of Mrs Norman Bates, a wicked witch in that episode, and is trying to fatten us up, but Mrs Bates is killed, and so we have to eat ourselves. So the last thing that's left is we're just down to our heads. Anyway, well, boys, this looks like the end. At least we'll die with dignity. <laughs> Was that the weirdest thing you had to do? Well, certainly one of the weirdest things. I do think that the song I Want to Be a Mexican Hitler still has life. It still has zing. I vote, I'm right, I'm cha-cha-cha. I vote, I'm right, I'm cha-cha-cha. Arriba! The show didn't get as much attention as you would think with elements like you just mentioned then in it at the time. You were doing stuff that was incredibly offensive to many areas and it just it just bounced off. Well, they wanted a cult hit, and that's what we gave them. But it's very interesting that Time has uh, been very kind to Dust Capital. We're doing a launch show in Melbourne at the Comedy Festival. I tweeted about it twice. That was two tweets, and it sold out. 2,000 seats in the town hall. People are still very interested in the program, but you're right, yes, a lot of, a lot of the mums and dads found the public beheading, the stabbing of me dressed as Mr. Potato, the setting on fire of each other, the being putting Paul on a spit and uh, devouring him to be not the sort of comedy that they were used to from the ABC watching The Good Life. Or Butterflies. Remember that Butterflies with Felicity Kendall, that, that gentle comedy? Remember the ABC used to have a code. When they said something was a gentle comedy, that meant it wasn't funny. Yeah, and when I was waving a shotgun around and shooting kittens, I think they thought, that's not to the manner born. People will always say, oh, you could get away with more then. Well, it wasn't that long ago. It, you just have to do it. That's the thing. You have to do it, and more importantly, you have to have a management structure that's going to stand up for you to let you do it. 
Oh, yeah, and the management structure was, they just thought, oh, well, you guys seem to be having fun. Boys, I've had an idea. I've had a real idea. I think I've got a brain. When it came time to do the second series after gone and infuriated people, again, the ABC management said, well, I don't know, it seems to be attracting some kind of audience and there is no television on Earth like Das Kapital. I mean, even the name suggests this is, this is definitely not two English people with a posh fuddy-duddy living next door. The title of all the episodes apparently have nothing to do with the content and are all randomly assigned. Yes, of course. Uh, why would you go to all the trouble of actually trying to think up a proper title? Because the audience doesn't care. So, uh, yeah, we just had the seven deadly sins and then we did the seven deadly virtues. It just seems neat enough. Of course, you know, the Doug Anthony All-Stars scholars are still sifting through the crumbs to see if there is meaning in those names. Has it been a strange experience meeting up with the other two and getting the whole thing together again for the launch in <laughs> Melbourne? It's always a strange experience meeting up with Paul McDermott and Richard Feidler. You know, it's, it's like meeting up with the fire and the ice. The custard and the cake, you know, it's always hilarious. What does I hear about a new original song? Because we'd sung a, I think it was Leonard Cohen song in the original series, we didn't want to have to pay for that, so we recorded our own. A lovely, you know, bouncy, happy, original, it's an all-starsy kind of song. All nice harmonies and something that all the mums and dads can enjoy. Saturday won't catch me sleeping. Saturday won't catch me sleeping. Saturday won't catch me sleeping. From now on, Saturday is where I found your hands hanging on too tight to the manacle. Your heart panic and the thought to fly. I was watching fireworks cascading, painting. Saturday won't catch me dreaming. Saturday won't catch me dreaming. Are you standing for the Senate in the upcoming election, Mr. Tim Ferguson? I am nominally standing for the Senate because they haven't actually opened it up yet. That's the idea, yes, to stand for the Senate. You know, it's just for fun. I don't want people to vote for me. I just want them to have a good feeling when they're voting for someone else. You did get 3.7% of the vote in the seat of Kuyong in the uh, in, the, in Melbourne. Was that correct one year when you stood or was that just something you made up? Yeah, yeah, no, that was 3.7%. That's somewhere out there on the public record. Yeah, I ran against Andrew Peacock. Sure, I didn't win, but ask yourself, where's Andrew Peacock today? I don't see him releasing a DVD on ABC. <laughs> no way, man. If I can match that 3.7%, I will just say it was a Pyrrhican moral victory. And how did you find it being on Q&A recently on the ABC with a whole bunch of politicians discussing uh, poverty and other issues on the panel? Oh, it was great fun. I mean, they're all highly personable people. Tim Ferguson. Public transport, I think, uh, Christine, you meant... I mean, I can't see why we have so many people jumping on trams going, hot, 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 stop it, silence, hold still, you. Have you got a ticket? Uh, I'm not going to pay for a ticket if someone's going to shout at me for it. Christine Milne is childlike in the way she looks at the world and so innocent. Julie Bishop, of course, is, you know, not without her ability to smile. And so it was kind of fun. Backstage, 
yeah, I could see the three of them talking, and these are just people who know each other, and they're in politics, and it's a hard life, and they're friendly enough to each other. And Julie Bishop squeezed my hand once. They're going to be saying, future Senator Ferguson, they could be saying. Well, that's great until the election, and they go, ah. Oh. Failed, failed. Failed would be perfect. <laughs> people go, oh, it's like a sparrow with a broken wing. <laughs> I don't want to get voted for. I just think it's very important to have other voices in the election, apart from the ones that just go on and on. The fans are dead keen on seeing you. They're dead keen on seeing Das Kapital DVD. Now it's out. They're particular breeded people. Oh, they are. The Doug Anthony All-Stars fans are not like the fans of, say, you know, they're the people who find the last Sultana in the back. <laughs> I've never seen a crossover between fans of Ratcat and fans of Doug Anthony All-Stars. The two don't cross over. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. We love them, we respect them, but there is no way we would go and play Dungeons & Dragons with them or dress up as Star Trek characters. Let me remind you of a moment here. I, I worked with uh, you guys, uh, Barry Crocker, at the Enmore Theatre on one of your... Oh, fair- yeah. And an unusual parcel arrived in the afternoon while everyone was getting set up and ready and it was wrapped in newspaper, it was delivered to the front door of the Enmore Theatre and unwrapped it turned out to be a mummified cat. Oh, my God. Do you remember that, Tim? Oh, my God, yeah. It was a dead cat. And you brought it on stage like this. I'll try and describe it for the audience. You had a beautiful bouquet of roses on one hand and you had the dead cat on a broomstick on the other. <laughs> You, you entered the stage slowly, so the audience would have seen the roses first, and you heard, ah. Oh. Then people saw you, and they went, yay. Then, then they saw a broomstick, and they went, huh? Then they saw a dead cat up at the end of the broomstick, and they went, Bleh. Those emotions, all within about 20 seconds, you were able to do with that. And did you ever know what the story behind the, the dead cat on a stick was? Well, I'm sure it was probably just, you know, on the highway outside the Enmore Theatre. But probably the strangest part of that was I said, okay, anyway, this thing stinks because it was like a fortnight old dead cat. And I said, is there anybody who wants it? Hands go up. Me! (laughs) Me! They wanted it. So somebody went home with the dead cat. A dead cat on a stick. they're the kind of fans we have. Back in the day, I used to ask you about how what was the creative process for you guys rehearsing, and you pretty much said you all sort of get in a room all day and run around and play guitar and yell at each other and argue a lot. Was that really the process, or was it a bit more contrived than that? No, no, that was it. So it's like anything else. It's about managing distractions. If we were trying to do it today with mobile phones, we'd never get anything done. But it was really just getting in there and we'd do two minutes of work and then Richard would say, oh, I'm hungry, and then we'd spend time on sandwiches. So it was always coming to it and then going away. But it was a highly volatile process. And, of course, people go, oh, yes, the next Doug Anthony All-Stars, because people were saying that about Tripod and that sort of thing, and Tripod just happened to be three guys performing, really. They weren't trying to be like Doug Anthony All-Stars at all. No, not at all. The thing about Tripod I love is it could sing better than us. There's a star in the sky. He's told us not to blow it because he knows it's all what it's there. Let the children use it. Let the children use it. Let all the children boogie like. They are musicians. You've written your book, The Cheeky Monkey, about comedy. You've looked at the theory of comedy. The Golden Girls is acknowledged as being one of your favourite comedies of all time. Is that still correct? Thank you for being a friend. Oh, 
yeah, I love that show. I think it's time, since you've set the tone for the interview with uh, Richard and Paul, questions without notice for both of them. Have you got three questions, both for Richard Feidler and Paul McDermott, Tim Ferguson? The first question they have to answer is, why do they like me so much? The second question Paul and Richard must answer... And they must answer them. They must answer them. I will not let them evade. I'll use my ABC interview technique. They won't get out of it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. You, you pummel them into the ground. Ask them to explain what Dutch Capital, the TV show, means, what, it, what it's about. The final one is... <laughs> how do they keep their trim figures? How do they keep their svelte gazelle-like bodies in shape? Yeah, how do they do that? How do you do that, Tim? Because, I mean, you haven't really bunged on a gut too much at all. A little bit, but not much. I've always had a little a little safety girdle because the rest of me is just skin and bone. I just go swimming. And also, I live a decent life. I only stick to bourbon in the morning, at lunchtime, and in the evening, but never late at night. Oh, that'd be the, the taxi driver diet. Yeah. The De Niro ne- never looked better than when he was on that. But Tim, if there is one, one episode of Das Kapital that you would say is uh, one of your favourites or the most intriguing of the 14, which one? I would say, I think it's called Charity. It's Paul Livingston, the guy who plays Flacco, arriving and being the Pope. The Pope comes to visit the submarine, which in that series is, of course, in orbit, and an assassin follows him. So I've just been reading the capsule descriptions. Yeah, that's Charity. It, the capsule description, and I love how you got the entire half hour summed up in one sentence. A mysterious comet flies over the Titanic 2 on Christmas, leading the boys to find a baby in a manger. That's that episode. Yeah. I do like the description for Patience, the very final episode. The boys discover they have 10 hours until they're to be hit by a meteor. With the engine out of commission, they must cope with a strange visitor. There's a lot of these sentences that end with, they must cope with a strange visitor. A stranger comes to visit. Someone they don't know comes to visit. There's a lot of strangers turning up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were in orbit, but there would still be a knock at the door. Which means it really is just like everyone loves Raymond in a boat. That's absolutely true. I thought that was a bit of misdirection I was doing at the start there. Yeah, it's everybody loves Raymond without the boat. Tim, will you be performing a set as the Doug Anthony All-Stars as well as presenting Das Kapital at the show in Melbourne? Yeah, Richard is very keen to do a whole bunch of songs. He's right on it. At first I was resistant and said, I don't know if I can sing, and Paul has no singing talent. That's been demonstrated multiple times on national television. Yeah, again and again and again, singing in tune. That went out in the 80s. Yes, I imagine we'll be singing a couple of couple of nice songs as we uh, talk through the series and explain ourselves legally and morally and, of course, creatively. Tim Ferguson, it's always a joy talking to you. If there's three guys who deserve to have their work looked at intensely by the Australian public once again from the 90s, it's probably Ratcat, but you guys are very closely behind that. We're like dead cat. Don't go now. Thank you, Tim Ferguson. Thanks, H-Mainers. Don't go now.
on maynard.com.au. Hey, you! Yeah.